0: welcome to the poultry health today podcast where we talk all health all the time here engaging interviews with today's leading industry experts hosted by poultry health today editors podcast episodes highlight the latest ideas insights and advice to improve poultry health welfare performance and food safety
1: Hi, I'm Caroline Stocks with Poultry Health Today, and with me is Estefania Navarama, who's a graduate research assistant at the University of Georgia. Hi, thanks ever so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for asking me. Um, In your research, you compared the prevalence of salmonella in conventional and no antibiotics ever systems. Can you tell us a little bit
0: about your research? How many birds were involved with it? So we uh, looked at four different farms, two of those that followed conventional practices and two of, those, two of the other ones followed uh, no antibiotics ever practices. And with each one of those farms, we collected samples from different days corresponding to different diet changes from hatch to transport to the processing plant. And we collected samples from 15 birds chosen at random every time. Um, it was a total of 229 samples for each one of those farms. So we collected uh, cecum and ileum contents from from the birds, and we also collected litter samples and water and feed samples from the house. And then the tests that you did were after the feed changes, is that correct? Yes, yeah, so every time we collected samples, it was after there was any feed changes, and as the birds were getting older as well. So we looked at that, uh, the changes in prevalence of salmonella and campylobacter as the birds age and with the different diet changes.
1: So why, um, sorry, you said about the diet changes, so why specifically after the feed changes?
0: Well, we wanted to kind of get a clean slate look. So every time there's a feed change, we sampled right after. We get kind of a representation of what's happening in the microbiota with that feed change.
1: Okay. So the testing method that you use was the same one that the FSIS uses to mm-hmm. test for Salmonella processing plants. Um, why did you pick that one?
0: Well, we want to be able to correlate our results with existing data, and those are valida- validated methods that the USDA has been using for a while. So we just wanted to use the same methods to be able to look at the, that same data.
1: Okay, so what
0: did you find in the in the study? We found... Overall, that the conventional birds had a higher prevalence of salmonella compared to the NAE birds, mostly while the birds are very young. Um, then for the conventional birds, it kind of declines as the birds get older. And then we see it go up again when in the last um, few withdrawal uh, feeds and also with transport to the processing facility, which is kind of what we expect because of the stress associated with those practices and also because of um, the increased shedding of the pathogens, um, they can create more opportunities for cross-contamination between flocks. So no salmonella was found
1: in feed and water, is that correct? That is correct. So where do you think
0: the salmonella came from in in the positive tests? It can persist in the litter for a long time so even if we don't find it at the beginning that doesn't mean that it's not there it can just be in very very low numbers and then as the birds start shedding it just creates a better environment for the salmonella to keep um, proliferating Um, but yeah insect vectors it can come from people it can come from other animals around the area there's a lot of of ways in which salmonella can enter the house.
1: So you also tested the birds after they'd arrived at the processing plant did your findings correlate with what had been happening on the farm, with what had happened on the, in the plant?
0: For most of the birds, it actually increased slightly um, after transport to the processing plant, which makes sense. Again, there's a lot of potential for cross-contamination and if the birds are shedding during transport and they're in very confined uh, places, then it, it just creates a better environment for, for salmonella to spread between birds. There's also they also reuse the um, transport coops, and there's different flocks being put in the same truck. So it just if one flock is positive, even though ours was negative, if that was the case, then that just creates a better opportunity for salmonella to to cross contaminate. So why do you think that there are there is less salmonella in the no antibiotic ever systems? So this is a purely observational in a sense, but um, because the farmers that don't rely on antibiotics, they don't have that intervention per se to control the level of disease. Um, the stringency and the culture around their biosecurity and their management practices is, is, it has a higher, they have a higher vigilance level, let's say. And um, that that can be a contributing factor to those low numbers of salmonella, but it's not the only thing that's influencing the result, those results, but it does correlate with what we see when we go to the farms and we visit these different farms. Usually the NA farms are just pristine. So do you think that there's quite a lot that uh, conventional producers could perhaps learn from those kinds of systems in terms of biosecurity? I do believe that to reduce the numbers of pathogen prevalence uh, multiple multiple hurdle approach is the best way to go so as much as you're relying on an antibiotic or an anticoxidial, just paying as much attention to the biosecurity and the management thus will contribute to those low numbers
1: i'm caroline stocks with poultry health today and i've been speaking to estefania navarama who's a graduate research assistant at the university of georgia
0: thanks for listening to the poultry health today podcast to get the latest news and interviews delivered to your inbox twice a week, subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting poultryhealthtoday.com slash join.